0: You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit www.jointheventure.com. Are you familiar with the phrase, use it or lose it? Anybody? You probably experienced this because it's not. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, you probably experienced this in many avenues of life, like maybe in high school. How many of you guys took like Spanish class? In, in now, of those people with your hands up, how many of you are now fluent in Spanish? Yeah, lose it or lose it. Usually, how many of you guys, like, you really got a really good workout routine, and as a younger person, maybe in college or in high school, you worked out, you worked out. How many of you still work out regularly? Yeah. You use it or you lose it. Maybe as a kid, your, your mom forced you to take piano lessons, and, man, you nailed that chopsticks thing. Dun, 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 dun. You had that down, but you never practiced after that, and you lost it. You wouldn't know how to play a piano from a banjo. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this thing. Use it or lose it. You know, Faith is a lot like that. In fact, I would say faith is totally like that. Use it or lose it. We're in this series called A Life Worth Watching, and we're, we're looking at the idea of what does it look like to live a life that other people watch and say, man, I want what they have. I want to do what they're doing. I want to be what they're about. And we're looking at the life of this guy named Abraham who did just that. And we're discovering that the key, the key element in going from a life of watching other people and transitioning to a life worth watching, the key element is faith. Faith is like a muscle. The more you work it out, the stronger it gets. But if you neglect it, it becomes weak. Use it or lose it. It's true. And so, in order to grow our faith, the question is, how do we work it out, right? Like, I mean, if you want to get strong muscles, you work out, you lift weights, you, 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 do, you do calisthenic exercise, exercises, you do some kind of cardio stuff, whatever, you're working out, you got a plan, right? you're going to work out as a, as a musician, you're going to practice your instrument. you're going to work out at some other art or skill, you're going to practice. How do we practice our faith? Today, I think that there, there's a specific type of practicing and growing and exercising that God allows for us. Because God is all about us growing our faith. And the key is in this one word test. Test. We homeschool our kids, um, and it's it's a mixed bag. I love homeschooling our kids, but with it, uh, we also have to work on snow days, right? And so there's like there's a variety of things. But I, I love getting to be a part of that because, as especially my son is getting older and stuff he's learning is more and more complicated. To see him perform in testing, because it, then you get to see like what did you learn? And I've taught him many times in life and in school, but also just in life. Like when you mess up and you make a mistake and you fail. That's one of the best things that could happen. <laughs> like, when you fail, then you know what you did wrong. And then you can improve on that. I've often said that the family needs to be a safe place to fail. Like, if you want, if you want to define family, there's a lot of different things you could say. But family needs to be a safe place to fail. It needs a place to be, where the repercussions, the worst thing that could happen is, is a couple weeks of grounding. Right? Because if you don't learn some of these basic things in life, at home... And then when you go out into the real world, man, the, the worst thing that could happen is, is jail time, or you actually kill somebody or something crazy because you didn't learn this at home. And so family should be a good place to, to, to fail. Why? Because failure leads to growth. Failure leads to opportunity to learn and change and course correct and grow. So we're studying the life of this guy named Abraham. And, and as, as we're, we're understanding Abraham, what we find is that Abraham is a guy who was constantly being tested, tested specifically by God. We find Abraham in the Old Testament. We're going to get there in just a second, but we're going to go to the New Testament and learn something about the testing of our faith. Uh, The New Testament book of James talks about it in the first chapter. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, it says this. This is kind of counterintuitive, but listen. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. You hear that? When you face trials, when you face tests, consider it joy. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be made mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, most people hate trials. Most people hate tests. Most people hate the idea that I could possibly fail at this. But God says, listen, embrace it. Consider it pure joy because don't you know that testing produces perseverance. And when perseverance is made complete in you, oh, you, you are made mature and whole. And that's how God can use you at your best. And so there's this thing that we learn, especially in following Abraham, it's this, that when it comes to tests in our life or trials in our life, when it comes when we're faced with a test, the best way to react is this. Trust God no matter what. I'm going to say it again. When you're tested, trust God no matter what. In fact, I believe it's so strongly that I think it's something that we need to learn together. And so I'm gonna ask you the question and I want you to repeat the answer with me. What is the best way to react when we face trials in life? To trust God no matter what? Let me gonna do it one more time because I want it to stick in your head. What is the best way to react when we face trials in life? To trust God no matter what. Now, whether you believe that or not, whether you wish you could believe it or you have a hard time, I think that we're going to see in the story of Abraham that, man, it was so true for him. Abraham went through so many tests, but before we got there, let me just tell you what, what he's facing in case this is your first week and, and you haven't picked up on the rest of the series. Basically, Abraham is this random guy who's a shepherd. And God comes to him in an audible voice at some point in his shepherding career. And he says to Abraham, listen, Abraham, I want you to pack up and move. Everything you have. We found out last week that Abraham was a very prosperous man. Had 318 trained people in his household, quote unquote household, that were actually able to be fighting men. So he had a small militia living under his household. He was a very prosperous man in this one region. And God says, I want you to pack up and I want you to move. And I want you to go to the place that I will show you. Notice he doesn't tell Abraham where he's sending him. He just says, pack up and move. I'm testing your faith. I want to know that you can do this and that you can trust me. So Abraham packs up and he moves. That's the big story. Check out some of the previous sermons on our podcast. It's, it's amazing to follow Abraham's story. But beyond that, Abraham also is a very old man. His wife is well past childbearing years, and they've never had any children. So God also makes him a secondary a promise to this, to this test. He says, I'm calling you to do this, but I'll make you a promise. I'm going to make you into a great nation. Through your lineage, through your offspring, the entire world is gonna be blessed. Anyone who blesses you, I will bless. Anyone who curses you, I will curse. And I will make your name a great name. Which is awesome. That's an awesome problem. Someone came to me, like, listen, here's the deal. I'm gonna make your name a great name. And I'm gonna find out that anyone who blesses you, I will bless. Anyone who curses you, I will curse. I'm like, man, that's a good deal. But here's the problem: Abraham doesn't have any children, he is still childless. And as we get to the close to the end of his story, it's now been almost 25 years since God made this promise to Abraham. And he still doesn't have a child. And I have a hard time waiting 25 minutes for a pizza to arrive. 25 minutes. And after like 22 minutes, I'm starting to lose faith in the pizza guy. Like, don't you call? Like, I'm not, I'm not ordering from them again. Like, oh, it took so long. We're talking 25 years for a promise to come true. And a huge promise. Because it's like, God, I'm not getting any younger. Like, if you want me to raise a child that will one day grow and and become a great nation, (sighs) now God does answer that promise. But before that happens, God presents Abraham with a series of tests to test his faith. Because Abraham is going to be the beginning of a family of people that eventually become where Jesus comes from. In fact, Christianity totally and completely comes out of A few moments of faith that Abraham had. God laid that promise in that man's family, and it grew into what is now today Christianity. Amazing, amazing, but Abraham had no idea about that. He didn't see the big picture. All he knew was the trials that he faced. And so because God was setting him up for such a big promise, he had to make sure this man was a man of big faith. Let's check out some of his story. We're going to take a look at at two or three tests that Abraham goes to. First of all, we find this. Uh, Abraham is traveling, and and, and he's going on this journey that God kind of sent him on. (laughs) And just, hey, just walking, trying to find out where God wants me to go. And back in the day, there were no international laws to govern this type of travel. And so if you went to another country, you weren't protected. You weren't. And so he walks into Egypt, and when he gets there, Abraham's wife Sarah must have been super hot. Like, let me just say that. Like, she must have been incredibly hot. Because as soon as they get close to Egypt, Abraham's like, listen, when we get there, they're going to notice how super hot you are, and the pharaoh's probably going to make you one of his wives. Like, I love my wife, and I think she's beautiful, but I would never visit another country and be like, you know what, babe, I think the president might want to marry you. Like, like this just like... It's weird, but that's what happens. And so let's, let's just hear the stories. In Genesis chapter 12, the very beginning of the Bible, the first book. If you don't have a Bible with you today, we will have the words on the screen. And if you don't own a Bible or you need one, uh, please see us. We want to give you one. There's some that have been scattered throughout the room under the chairs. And you can see one of our hospitality volunteers. They'd be glad to hook you up with a Bible today. We want to make sure people have good Bibles. But we're in Genesis chapter 12. <coughs> Excuse me. Starting at verse 11. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarah, or Sarai at this time, same person, I know what a beautiful woman you are, Oh! but the Egyptians see you. They will say, this is his wife. They will kill me, but they will let you live. Will you say that you're my sister? Awkward. So that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you? When Abraham came to Egypt, just as he suspected, the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman, and they went and they told Pharaoh about her, and she was taken to his palace, probably to be part of his harem. Wow. And first of all, that's kind of a raw deal for Sarah, because can, can you imagine, ladies, like your husband being like, look, we're, we're heading up to, uh, to Tennessee, and uh, here's the thing. Um, can you just tell people you're my sister? In fact, listen, if anyone wants to sleep with you, just, that's cool, as long as they don't kill me. I Like, what? But that's what happens. Nice move there, Casanova. All right, so we jump in it, but, but, but here's the thing. God has got a plan. When we're faced with trials, the best way to react is, trust God no matter what. And so far, God has told you, go to the land that I will show you. He said, whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. I got your back, Abraham. Trust me. As he walks to Egypt, does he trust trust God? He He doesn't really trust him at that moment, does he? And so in that moment, he's faced with this dilemma, and he probably makes a bad decision. Let's see what happens. But God comes through. But the Lord inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and his household because of Abraham's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summons Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why would you say she's my sister? So that took her to be my wife. Now then, here's your wife. Take her. Go. And then Pharaoh gave the orders about Abraham to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. God comes to their rescue. But here's the thing I want to notice, this because I could do a whole teaching thing on just this little story, but we're going to go through several of these. Abraham has a moment where he can trust God, and when you're faced with a trial, the best thing to do is trust God no matter what, and he fails. But you know, it's it's kind of of okay, because we should consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when we face trials of many kind, because don't you know that trials produce perseverance? And that perseverance, when his work is complete, helps us to be mature and whole. And that's where Abraham is finding himself. And so he kind of leaves Egypt with his tail between his legs, like, "Sorry, God, I, sorry, I should have trusted you, and I didn't." Here's another example, another trial that he takes, te- uh, that he faces, and he tests, is tested with. You remember God has promised Abraham and Sarah a wife, right? Uh, let so, me say it again, Abraham is, God has promised Abraham and Sarah a child. He's promised them a child, and they still don't have a child. And how is this promise going to come true without a child? And so Abraham and Sarah have been talking about it. And, and, and maybe some of you have had this, this discussion. Maybe you, you've, I mean, I have lots of friends who have had a hard time having a baby. And so it's like, this is a long, painful discussion. And everyone feels like they're at blame. And then Sarah looks at Abraham and is like, listen, I know God told us he'd come through. And, I, don't know, I, I got a plan, maybe to help God out a little bit. I, I, I'm, I got this plan. Yeah, I got this maid that works for me. Her name's Hagar, um, which, by the way, is a really, really great girl's name. Um, but I got this maid named Hagar, and um, why don't you just have a baby with her? Because, because the truth is legally, if he were to have a baby with his wife's maid, it would be legally their child. And so Abraham's like, all right. So they do. they had this baby. Turns out that it causes a lot of trouble. Um, I wish I could spend a whole time just teaching about that. From that comes all kinds of trouble from within. From that comes trouble that we still live in today because the nation that developed because of the child that happened from that union, uh, the, the, those people were constantly at, at odds with God's people throughout the Bible and even to modern times. And it's just, wow, that one decision has led to so many, so many bad things in the world. He was faced with a test. God said, I'm going to provide you with a child. But he thought, I'm going to do it my own way. What's the best way to deal with a test or trial in your life? You, you trust God no matter what. But let's not point the finger at Abraham. We do this all the time. Because we feel like if God could just get a little hand from us, like, you know, I really, I really know God wants me to have a good job. And so um, I got this offer. And I, really, I really do think that God probably doesn't want me to take this job. It's going to keep me out of church. It's going to keep me away from my family. Or maybe it's a job that just doesn't honor God. But... You know God wants us to have jobs, right? So, I'm going to help God out a little bit. And I'm going to go get this job, right? Or, or maybe, maybe sometimes, you know, I know that God wants me to be happy and be in a relationship. And well, there's this, there's this girl, or there's this guy, and like I'd really like to marry them. And I know that, that our faith doesn't align, and I know actually that being with them doesn't let me be in a relationship with God like I should be. But I'm just, I'm just gonna. Let me help God out a little bit here. I'm just going to continue this relationship. And we do that all the time. We do it as parents. We do it as employees. We do it as employers. We do it, uh, we do it with our money. We do it with our time. We do it with everything because sometimes we just feel like, you know, I, I know God kind of had this thing he wanted me to do, but I kind of had this way I was going to do it my way. And each of those times are moments where we're being tested, we're being tried, and God is looking at us going, do you trust me? Do you have the faith that I will do what I said I will do? We've defined several times during this series that faith is knowing that God is who He says He is and that He will do what He says He's going to do. And, and I meant to add this, and acting like it. Taking actions that show that I believe God is who He says He is and that He will do what He says He's going to do. And every time that we go outside of God's will, even if we think we're doing something that's for His purpose, it will blow up in our face. <laughs> it will. And it's what happened to Abraham, it's what happens to several characters throughout the Bible, it's what's happened to me, it's what's probably happened to you, if you've tried to follow God and do things your own way. That's the second test, and you know what? He failed. But, it's kind of okay. I'm not saying it's okay to disobey God, but it's kind of okay. You know why? Because, when we face trials of many kinds, it produces perseverance. And perseverance does work in us, and it helps us get stronger, and we learn from our mistakes, and we grow. And we move on, and we get better at trusting God. A third test that Abraham faces after having this baby with Hagar. Things just don't, don't go well with that. But then, Sarah gets pregnant. And it shouldn't surprise us, because God promised that it would happen. And when God promises something, it always happens. But still imagine their joy when this baby who they name Isaac is born and they're just cuddling him. And if you've ever had a baby of your own, or if you've spent time with babies, I mean, except for the, all the pooping and crying, the rest of it's pretty awesome. I mean, you're just, you're just holding them and you get to take naps with them and you get to take naps with them and then they sleep more and then the, you feed them and that's gross. But it's awesome because babies have joy. They bring joy. And then not only that, but we learn from this that he begins to grow up in their household. And this has got to be the coolest part. It's something I've got to experience as I've seen, you know, our family go through the trials of seeing this church get started. But then to get to step back sometimes and just be like, whoa, there's there's people here. (laughs) Neat. And for Abraham and Sarah to get to step back and go, whoa, the son's here. God made the impossible possible. He took my barren womb and he healed it and he allowed me to have a baby. Who does that? God. And in all that joy, God faces Abraham with one more test. Possibly the greatest test that anyone has ever been through. Let's read about this last test of his faith. This is in Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, Abraham. Abraham said, Here I am, because that's how people talk. And then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. What? You know, God's real confusing sometimes, because, <laughs> like, you just gave me the son. It's been cool, and, and and from what we understand about what was happening in this scenario, Abraham's son Isaac was maybe twelve or maybe, maybe 20, 21 years old. This this is a young man, and they've built relationship together. I mean, you know that they've gone they've gone fishing together, they've sheared the sheep together, they've planted the crop together, they've they've spent time together, they worship God together, and. What is God doing here? But, but notice a couple of things. First of all, in Genesis 22, verse 1, it says this. God tested Abraham. God's doing this on purpose. He's got a plan. And I've got I to talk about this testing thing real quick, because sometimes testing and tempting can be confusing. They kind of sound like the same thing. And so sometimes we are like, you know, I wonder if God's tempting me right now. I wonder if God's tempting me to see if I can grow, or tempting me to see if I'll take, this, uh, take the bait, you know, I want to make a clear distinction. Temptation is something that evil spirits do. Temptation leads to one thing sin. Temptation leads to sin. Testing leads to faith. You see the difference? Temptation leads to a bad thing. Temptation is God's, uh, temptation is the, the devil's attempt to show how bad we are. Testing is God's attempt to show how good we can be. And so even it's, it's discussed in, in the book of James, which we read earlier in chapter 1. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God distances himself from evil as much as possible. He's not going to put you in a position where you're going to sin. Even in this situation with Abraham's, like, what in the world? You're asking him to sacrifice his son. But he's clearly got a bigger plan since he was tested. The other thing that we can note is that um, Abraham loved his son. This wasn't a light thing to take on. Look, look at this next verse in, in, in verse 22. We just read it, but God says, take your son whom you love. I mean, they had grown. Imagine how much. Is it possible that Abraham might have loved his son more than any other dad had ever loved his son? I mean, just think about it. Like all that they had gone through. And now to have this son. And then God to ask this of him. But he was tested. What's the right thing to do when you're tested? Trust God. No matter what, even when it's really hard, and Abraham had faced test after test after test, and he had failed, and he's much older now, and I just wonder if in this test, if it's possible that his faith muscle had begun to grow, and grow and grow with each testing, and God knew that he was ready. He said, all right, I need to know because I want to give you a big promise. But I need to know that you're a man of big faith. Do you trust me? And this time, Abraham does the right thing. And I cannot imagine being in his shoes. Let's read it. It says, early the next morning, Abraham got up. He saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, hold on, he had to go out and chop wood first. Can you imagine, like, you're chopping wood with your son? What are we doing, Dad? Uh, Chopping wood. How do you talk about that? They're chopping wood. When they got it all together, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up. He saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, you stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. (laughs) I love this guy, Abraham. Listen to what he says. He says, we will worship, and then who's going to come back? Who? Use your reading skills. We will worship, and then who? We will come back to you. Did Abraham have an inkling that maybe God was going to do something amazing? Is it possible that Abraham thought, I'm going to go through with this, and God, I don't know what God's got planned, but we're going to be back. God's not going to take this son that he just gave to me. I don't know where he comes from that, but we read on in the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, we kind of get some commentary from another Bible writer of what may have been going on in mind, Moses' mind. In Abraham's mind, check this out. It says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. By this time, this was history when this guy was writing. He who had received the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned, perhaps, that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did, not re- he did receive Isaac back from the dead. At this point, Abraham's faith was so strong that he believed that it possibly God was going to raise his son from the dead. What a journey this guy's been on for his faith. Use it or lose it. He had gotten some good chops, some good strength on faith, because he had been through test after test after test, and it built him, and it grew him, and then he got to a place where he was like, how do I react when I face trial in my life? Trust God, no matter what. Abraham wants you to sacrifice your son. Oh, okay, 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 all right, Isaac, tomorrow we're headed up to the mountain, want to go? And he moved forward. Check out how God shows up, it's amazing. Verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering. He placed it on his son Isaac. Isaac carried this. It's kind of ironic. And he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them went together. And Isaac spoke up at one point, because Isaac's a smart kid. He says, Father, yes, my son, uh, the fire and the wood are here, but aren't we going to go make a sacrifice? Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answers, God himself will provide the lamb for the offering. The two men went off together. The two two of them went off together. And when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built the altar. He arranged the wood on it. These two sentences could probably be a movie. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar. Was there crying? Was there pushing? Was there fighting? Was there yelling? What was that moment like? We don't have it here, but he lays him on the wood and he reached out. He took the knife in his hand to slay his son. You can picture this scene. Abraham has got the knife and he's quivering and the tears are soaking his face, running down his beard, and he's praying, God, no, I don't want to do this. And at that moment comes the most welcome interruption in the history of interruptions. Interruptions. An angel shows up, check this out, in verse 16, uh, no, 11, verse 11, it says, But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he responds, I'm here, what do you want? The angel says, don't lay a hand on that boy, don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld your son from me, your only son. And Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns, And he went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called this place, listen to this, the Lord will provide. Man, that's hard to hear. And now it's still said to this day, and this was written a long time ago. I don't know if it's still said to this day, but people would say back then, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. It became just a saying that people said. Abraham passed the test. And God blessed Abraham for being faithful. Check out what he says in verse 16. He says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord. I love this. God's like, I swear to me. (laughs) I swear to me I'm going to do this. I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and you haven't withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. Wow, what an ending to Abraham's story. It goes on. You can learn more about what happens and what happens with his son Isaac, and we'll get there in other days, and i recommend that you read it. But I wonder, is your story anything like that? I don't, I don't know that God's asking us to do those, that, that thing, but I just wonder... After all of the testing and testing and failing and failing, do you think there were times when Abraham thought, man, I am such a screw-up. God gave me this opportunity, and I dropped the ball. I hope he trusts me again. Oh, cool, he's trusting me again. Oops. Man, I have messed up again. God gave me this opportunity, and I dropped the ball. But then he learned, okay, when I'm faced with a trial, i got to trust God no matter what. And I wonder, what test are you facing right now? Like for you, this might have been your first time at church in a long time or ever. And you showed up today was your first time. Somebody brought you, your friend brought you, you came because you saw something on Facebook. I don't know, you got something in the mail like six months ago and you're like, I've been hanging on to this. Think I'll come. I don't know, maybe you came to the YMCA and you just saw some signs up. You're like, I'm gonna try this church. I don't know why you're here. I'm glad you're here. And right now, in the back of your head or your heart or wherever that happens for you, you're hearing, I just need to stick this out. I need to get involved with God. I need to learn about his love. I need to find out what it means to honor him and live for him. And right now, you know what the test that you're going to face is? Next Sunday, your alarm clock's going to go off at whatever time it goes off. And you stayed up last, late last night watching the uh, DVR American Idol. I don't know what you did Saturday night. And, and you watch it. You stayed up late. And, and then you go to wake up on Sunday morning and whew, I want to hit that snooze and just hang out. I want to turn that sucker off and go play golf. I want to go get in the boat and hit the water. I want to go down to the waves and catch one. And your faith is going to be tested in that moment. I kind of said I wanted to follow God, but it's Sunday. Like I don't have to work. I don't know what your test is, and maybe for you, maybe for you, it's it's the test of a bad marriage. And like you're facing this marriage that you kind of hate. And it's it's fighting, and there's bickering, and there's complaining, and there's whining. And you're like, this is not what I signed up for. And you're like, I'm about to throw in the towel. Now, if you're a Christian here this morning, I want you to know that at all costs, God wants you to save your marriage. That's what his goal for you is. If you're being abused, if you're in a situation where you are not safe, you need to find safety. You need to get away from that. Beyond that, if it's just inconvenient or uncomfortable, God wants you to save your marriage. And maybe that's a test that you're facing right now. When you're faced with a trial, what are you supposed to do? Trust God no matter what. And he says, I will provide. I will make your marriage. He doesn't say I'll make you a beautiful marriage. But what he says is, I want you to stay in the marriage that you've made a commitment to. It might mean a lot of work. It might mean Christian counseling. It might mean years and years of just living in a marriage where, man, we've just decided that we're going to honor our commitment to God. And then eventually you have to make your own decisions about that. But you're faced with a trial. What is the best thing to do? Trust God. No matter what, let's lay that in his hands, let's pray about it, let's talk about it. Maybe the test that God's calling you in is to confront a friend of yours that's headed down the wrong path, and you see that they are headed to destruction, and you really want to talk to them about it. By the way, when we face trials, and when it comes to the point when we want to trust God no matter what, that's going to be the hard option. The easy option is to bail on a relationship. The easy option is to quit going to church. The easy option is just to not confront your friend about the dangers that they're in. That's the easy way out. When you face the trial, how do you react? How do you move forward and trust God no matter what? It could be a lot of things. I don't know what, what it is for you. Maybe it's God, you trusting God with your, with your money and just being generous and being good stewards of it and taking care of it and, and being about savings and doing things that you feel like God wants you to do to, to do that and not wasting it on stuff, and all that stuff. But, and that's a test. And, and maybe for you, you need to get into God's word and decide what, what does it mean? To trust God in these financial things. Or maybe for you, it's a relational thing. Or maybe for you, it's an emotional thing. Or maybe for you, it's an occupational thing. Or maybe for you, who knows what it is. But when we face these trials, the best reaction is to trust God, no matter what. Because trials produce perseverance. And perseverance helps us to grow and be made complete and whole in God. Faith is a muscle. Use it or lose it. Every week in this series, we've been taking some time to share a story from somebody here at Venture Church. The very first week, I told some of my story and what it meant like for us to change jobs and do all this and eventually move to Wilmington and be involved in a new church. Last week, we shared Chris's story, uh, and it was great to to hear his his testimony of what it means for him to say, I just trust God. I know there's something bigger out there than just me and just what I want. This week, I want to take you on a little bit different journey. Uh, some of you have met Brent and Emily Myers. Brent uh, teaches our elementary age class every Sunday. Uh, Emily is, uh, is in charge of our host team. And so she's the one who makes sure that there's plenty of coffee and, and the Bibles are laid out and there's little cards on the chairs. And, and she's got a whole team of people that work with her. And, uh, you know, they're not from Wilmington. Uh, in fact, they had never been to Wilmington until one day I approached them. They're good friends of ours from way back and said, hey, we're moving to Wilmington to start a church. And I want you to be part of the team. Wow. Their journey was a journey of faith, and it was not without bumps in the road, as Emily said. Full of trials, living apart from each other, changing jobs, going to a whole different economic situation. And it's been an honor to work alongside these guys for the last, it's been, I mean, two years since we first started talking. and You know, this is not to set them on a pedestal. They wouldn't want that. and I don't want that. It's to let you know that it's the simple decisions that you make every day to trust God no matter what that allow you to live a life worth watching. Not just another drone life in this sea of drone lives, but to be a person that makes a difference one life at a time. I'm so glad to be a part of this with them. I'm so glad to be a part of this with you guys. And my prayer for us as a family is that we continue to be a group of people that says, you know what, like, church is important. God is important. In fact, it's it's the main thing. But there's a lot of people in our city who don't know that. In fact, they don't ever want to go to church. (laughs) And and there's probably good reasons for it, and some of them might be dumb reasons. But either way, they're not going to walk through the doors of a church that, that we could be a group of people that they could say, yes, I want to do that. I want to be a part of what they're doing. I want to live the life that they're living, not because of a poster that we put up or a Facebook ad or any type of thing that we do to publicize something, but because you are living a life worth watching, a life rooted in faith and a life that says, when I face trials, I face them head on, and they're going to be scary, but I'm going to trust God no matter what. Let me pray for us today. God, thanks for this opportunity to love you. Thanks for laying down your only son. You asked that of Abram, but <laughs> you provided another way. When it came to your son, you said, I'm giving it all. And so you came and you became human and man, it's complicated for us to understand, but it's, the message is simple. You love us. And you want us to look after you and chase you with all our heart and be shaped by your grace and live your love. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.